You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Frame. Eric Scopel is with me as always on this Friday, and Eric... Usually on Fridays, it's, hey, we're at the day before the day, but today is the day. Today is game day. It's Ironically enough, it's a weird deal. Uh, Oregon's playing a Friday night game at Austin Stadium. Uh, long time since that's happened. I don't even know the last time it happened, but I know it's a long time. Uh, the Ducks will be taking on Colorado. 7 o'clock kickoff tonight. Uh, game is on Fox, like I said. Uh, Colorado comes in three and two on the year. Oregon is four and one. And, and quite honestly, this is a big game for both teams. You know, Colorado's trying to fight and, and stay within punching distance of the Pac-12 South division championship. You know, they're, they're a game out of that right now, but they're going to need some help with some teams losing. So if they lose this one, that would deliver uh, Colorado, their second conference loss. Arizona has the tiebreaker and hasn't lost in conference play right now. USC has two wins, so they're already one game back from there. So Colorado needs a victory to, to keep pace because they still have to play Utah. They still have to play USC, and they still have to play UCLA in the Pac-12 South Conference. Uh, they do have a win over ASU, but uh, at one and one, three and two, you know, you, you only have so many chances to get some wins and, they're fighting for that. And then for Oregon, it's look, this let's let's be frank here. If if they lose this game tonight, that is a monumental loss and they've yep. squandered any kind of padding or, or lead that they've had in the Pac twelve North because right now they're the only team in the league that has not lost a conference game. They're three games up on Stanford because they've got the tiebreaker there. Uh they're two games up on Washington, uh, and they have to play them next week. Uh, California, they've got a three-game lead on on the Buffs because Cal's one and two in conference play, and Oregon has the tiebreaker. So Oregon has to lose three times for them to get surpassed. And Washington State, you know, two two-game lead against the Cougars. So this a loss tonight would be it would waste all of the cachet and you know the momentum that they've been able to develop or the other teams have developed for them uh, because of where they sit in the conference standings. They're a huge favorite. They're a 20-point favorite in this football game. And Let's start there. Are you buying the fact that Oregon is a 20-point favorite against the Colorado football team? I think I'm understanding that the number maybe makes sense there just because Oregon's at home. Colorado's lost twice already this season. There's some – speaking with Adam yesterday, to be frank, like Colorado's got some serious injury issues that they're dealing with, and that kind of puts things into context of, Maybe why the record is what the record is, but I, I, I guess I'm buying that that makes sense as a line just in terms of I, I kind of get the logic there, but if I'm a better, which as we've established on this podcast over and over, I'm not, I don't think I bet Oregon. Um, we'll do final score predictions at the end of the podcast, but I don't have Oregon covering 20 points. Um, I think we still got some question marks with this offense and how prolific they can be and how explosive they can be. And I think asking them to beat a Colorado team, which offensively, we've already said it all week, is this is the best offense Oregon has faced all season. I think Colorado is going to score some points in this game. And I think Oregon's offense needs to be ready to do the same. And I just don't know if I've seen enough to think 
gosh, this offense is going to go out there and drop 35 or 40 points because right. against three FCS or three power five teams, the, the highest they've scored is 21, right? 21 points against Auburn, 21 points against Cal, and 17 against uh, – sorry, 21 points against Stanford and 17 against Cal. That's what they've been doing against power five teams. And those are all pretty good defenses, and there's other reasons for some of those offensive struggles. But until I see them go out and score a bunch of points, I'm not comfortable saying – that they can win by 20 because I don't think they're going to shut this Colorado offense out. Uh, I think Colorado's going to move the ball somewhat effectively in this game and, and score some points. So 20 seems a little high to me, especially because I just have questions on this Oregon offense. But I understand the logic. But I guess I would say I buy the buy the line being what it is, but I would sell actually betting that line. Yeah, you, this goes into our next kind of segment of the show here is that if, if Oregon's going to win this football game by 21 points or more, I think that's going to mean that Vegas is counting on the fact that Oregon's offense is going to show up yep. because I don't see this defense, no matter how good they've been, I don't see them holding Colorado to fewer than 10 points. Like, I, I just think Colorado is going to score. They've got a senior quarterback of LaVisca Chenault plays. They've got three really, really good receivers uh, with Chenault, Katie Nixon, and then Tony Brown. You know, they've got some guys there that can really do some damage. And Oregon hasn't pl- played a team yet that, that's got the receivers like, you know, like that this team has. I mean, maybe Auburn, but they've got three different game changers at the receiver position that I'm pretty impressed with, uh, with what the, those guys can do. Um, and a senior quarterback, you know, this is the most talented, decorated player that they've played at, the, at this position to date. Um, and they're going to, you know, they're going to get tested for sure. And so I don't think, this defense is going to hold Colorado to fewer than 10 points. If they do, hey, that's amazing. That's great. Or, you know, Oregon's defense is, you know, continues to impress, but eventually teams are going to score. And I think this is going to be that first game where we're going to see Colorado put up some points. Uh, it, it might be a couple touchdowns. You know, Colorado might find themselves in, into the twenties, the low twenties, mid twenties. Um, I don't think they'll score more than that, but the way Oregon's offense is playing, Look, like that's going to be, that, that could mean it might be a close game. And, and that goes to my question of what's wrong with Oregon's offense. The, you know, I, I posted the story of the explosion plays and the lack thereof. Uh, Oregon really struggling right now in, as a program, the last three years to go out and put together an offensive program that can move the football in, in a way that Create scoring drives. And Crystal Ball himself, I asked Crystal Ball about this, and he said that, you know, when your offense is able to put scoring, you know, put drives together that include 20 or more yards per play, uh, your chances and your percentages of scoring touchdowns significantly increase. Uh, I think his quote was, particular drives go up exponentially. Um, you know, explosion plays are, are, are gains of 20 or more yards. And right now, Oregon, is on a trend where in 2016, uh, they've declined every single season. Uh, they had 84 plays of 20 or more yards in 2016, which was 14th in the nation. And then the following year, 2017, under Willie Taggart, uh, the Ducks finished 28th nationally with 73. 2018, first year with Mario Cristobal, the Ducks fell to 69 explosion plays, which ranked 31st in the, in the country. And I don't think, that, you know, from an Oregon standpoint, that number isn't very good. But from a, a national standpoint, I don't think that's a cause for concern. Like, you're not really too worked up about it. But this year, 
They're 83rd in the country with just 22 explosion plays through five games, and they're projecting to have their lowest number since 2016. And on top of that, they are 11th in the conference in explosion plays right now, and the only team that sits behind them is Arizona State, who starts a true freshman quarterback. That's unacceptable for an offense that has Justin Herbert at quarterback, and it has an offensive line that this week, Pro Football Focus said they have the highest grade out of week six of the college football season along the offensive line. You know, they've got talent up front. They have an elite quarterback. They have to do better. They have to figure out a way to get this fixed. You, you hear all of those numbers, right? With We know how good Herbert is and we know how good this offensive line is and Pro Football Focus kind of, re, you know, backs up that, that claim that this is one of the best groups. Something doesn't compute there. Like, why, why is it not working? Is it simply the, the offense isn't creating enough opportunities for plays down the field? Is it a drop-off in terms of the skill position play? And maybe we're going to see these numbers increase now that they've got their full allotment of wide receivers. But you're right. Something is kind of off with this, and it's so unusual. I am just was looking back at some of these better Oregon offenses over the years, and in 2014, the year they, last year they went to the national championship, Oregon had 107 total uh, plays of 20 or more yards. That was second nationally. And to now have a team right now that through five games is – one fifth, you know, one fifth of that number, and is kind of on pace to probably be closer to fifty or sixty for the season. That's that's significant, and it's notable, and it's I think it kind of backs up what we've all seen with our eyes, right? Sometimes statistics tell the story that we've kind of reaffirm what we've seen, and I think what we've seen through five games is an offense that at, at times has had some explosiveness, but for the most part has been a lot of five- to seven-yard gains. I mean, the running game in particular just doesn't have a whole lot of explosiveness. I think that's kind of where it starts, right? Lack of explosion in the running game has made it difficult for this offense to really get going, and maybe that's the thing where you turn it over to Herbert a little bit more and let him throw it a little bit more. And this week against Colorado, which is one of the worst passing defenses in the country, and if you listen to our podcast earlier in the week with with Adam from Buff Stampede, they're – they're dinged up in the secondary. They're injured back there. So this is an opportunity maybe for Oregon to have a field day. Maybe this is a day where you go, hey, Justin, you're going to throw the ball 45, 50 times. We're not going to prioritize running the football as much because Colorado just can't stop us very much when we're throwing the ball. So it's perplexing. It's, I think, frustrating, I think, especially if you're an Oregon fan that is used to these glory days. At the same time, or I don't think Oregon has had a defense this good in a very long time either. So it kind of works itself out. But the, the offensive struggles and I think you're, I think talking about the lack of explosion plays is a good place to start because I think it's been a frustrating aspect of it. That, yeah, seven, needs, that, that needs to get better. 17 of those explosion, of those 22 explosion plays have been on passing. Six of those 17 have resulted in scoring touchdowns. So I think, look, does Oregon have this guy that can, you know, every single play just get downfield and if you want to chuck it down there and he's going to make a play and you're going to get a big play? Probably not. But I think, the idea that Oregon doesn't have any guys at the receiver position or the tight end position that can't get open for big passing plays, I don't buy that. Yeah, like, I mean, we, we've seen time and time again in every game, Oregon scheme up some plays where Jacob Breland is running down the seam wide open for a touchdown, or we've seen, uh, Johnny Johnson get good separation and get, you know, a good clean route across the middle and he's open, or another tight end, or, you know, Jalen Red. You know, we've seen these these plays happen time and time again, and so I I don't 
I don't buy into the idea that Oregon doesn't have the ability to, to throw the football downfield. The data doesn't say it either. Um, you know, it's, I, I think the issue is with, with the run game, just five plays on the ground this year resulted in 20 or more yards. And one of those went for a touchdown, which was Darian Felix, uh, you know, against, I think it was Nevada. And then Montana, Sean Dollars had another one of those ones. So in reality, Travis Dye and CJ Verdell, those two guys have just three plays of 20 or more yards on the ground. And they, you know, out of the five, two of the, two of the five plays on the ground of 20 or more yards came in garbage time uh, against opponents that were being blown out. And that that's concerning to me. And even more concerning is the fact that you look at Oregon's roster and who is the, t- who is the player, Eric? I posted this on, on the message board on odds and audibles earlier this week. Who is the player that on Oregon's roster right now that has the most 20 or more 20 yards or more rushes in their career at Oregon? Do you know? Uh- that would be Justin Herbert. Correct. I mean, that I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. I think one of the the, the twenty yard runs this season that you were referring to that you were attributing to Verdell or Die goes to Herbert because he had the twenty six yard run last right. week against Cal. So it's like two for those two running backs. Exactly. I, I, I had completely forgotten about that. So now it's actually two. You know, so Verdell and Die have two runs this season of twenty or more yards, and Herbert has nine in his career. Verdell has seven, and Die has six. With the offensive line that Oregon has up front and the quarterback that they have, the run game has to get itself figured out. And I think that might be one of the biggest mysteries or unsolved questions we have of what is wrong with Oregon's run game because everything suggests that they should be better than what they're doing. Yeah, and that's what I said earlier. Something doesn't compute. When you have an offensive line that's this good and, again, pro football focus – I, I, I love that pro football focus exists because it's been so hard for so long to kind of measure offensive line play other than just what you see visually. And for someone like myself who's not a former offensive lineman, sometimes it's hard to recognize what constitutes a really good rep as opposed to a rep that maybe wasn't as good. I love that stuff. The fact that they think so highly of Oregon's offensive line should speak volumes to anyone listening who also maybe doesn't understand the quality of Oregon's offensive line. And so you go, yeah, what, what's going on here? If it's not the offensive line, is it it's got to be the running backs or the play calling, right? So something's not something's off here, and this not not necessarily going to change this week against Colorado. We've talked about how they're not very good against the pass, but against the run, they're actually pretty respectable. Their stats are pretty similar to, uh, uh, I think they're like kind of fifth or sixth in the middle of the conference. I could go pull it up again, but they're not bad against the run. So it's not like this is going to be a game where Oregon should come out and and just run it up and down the field. Maybe they will. I hope that they will. I think you, you, you want to see that. You just, it would be reaff- kind of reaffirm the fact that this offense can get to another level. But I just sit here and reflect and go, isn't it interesting? Five weeks into the season, we're talking about how the offense isn't working very well. And it's not because of the passing game, it's, but it's because of the running game, which coming into the season. We thought think, was going to be the strength. Yeah, we thought the run game with this offensive line and two running backs who come back and had pretty good freshman seasons, that's going to be kind of the strength of this offense. And you're going to have to go, okay, you got a great quarterback in Herbert, but and you find enough wide receivers to manufacture a good passing game. And the answer so far has been the passing game is not the problem, even without some of these good receivers we were talking about. It's been the run game. And so you go into this week against Colorado, and we should mention C.J. Verdell. I would say he's questionable to play. He's been practicing this week, according to Cristobal. Uh, I, don't, I think we enter Friday kind of going like, maybe it's a little above 50%, maybe it's 65% that he plays. But if he doesn't play, 
it could be a challenge, right? I mean, like, and even if he does play, it might be a challenge because he's been playing all season and the run game hasn't been very explosive. So I agree. It's been the most frustrating part. And it's kind of the one thing to me that's holding me back from expecting each week we're going to go out there and absolutely dominate an opponent because you just aren't getting that punch from this part of the group. And, and that element is completely missing from this offense right now. There's just no explosion from the run game. And it's been, I think, frustrating to watch. And I think it's really impacted the way this offense has been able to succeed so far. The injuries for Oregon, I think, is the, the or the lack of for Oregon is going to be – is the bigger storyline for Oregon right now. I mean, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the show about Colorado's injuries. If you listen to our podcast with Adam Munster-Tiger of Buff Stampede yesterday, you had a clear understanding now of the injuries that they have. And it's kind of the opposite for Oregon because Verdell's kind of the only guy that's a regular player that we don't really know what his status is. Um, you know, Cristobal, but even that's not really 100% I, I mean, even that is kind of, you know, being a little on, on the safe side. Like Cristobal has said, Verdellas has practiced. He's looking like he's going to be good to go to play. We just now don't know how close to 100% is he? How limited is he going to be? What, how does that impact the game plan type of stuff? Like I, I'm expecting Verdell to, to play. I mean, he, he probably will even start this football game. Um, but it's more so going to be what's, What's his limitations, if any? And I, I think outside of him, there really isn't anything out there that is going to be a game time decision. I mean, we know Gus Cumberlander's out for the year. That stinks. You know, that's going to take some adjustment. That's, you know, Oregon's going to have to adjust there and there's going to be some adjustment period there. You know, you know, Cumberlander is a guy that was playing, you know, 30 to, to 40 snaps a game and DJ Johnson and Kayvon Thibodeau, his, his two primary backups, you know, they were playing about 15 snaps, 20 snaps a game each, if that. You know, maybe KT was getting closer to 25 or, or, or 20, and DJ was getting, you know, somewhere around the, in, the, in the teens. But the reality is that they're going to have to make up 30 to 40 snaps now from Gus Cumberlander. Uh, it's going to go on two guys that have had, you know, they've played, but they've been brought along slowly with, with Thibodeau and, and DJ Johnson. But outside of that, like, there really isn't anything else out there. I mean, Jake Hansen's back at center. We know that. Brendan Schooler, Johnny Johnson, uh, Brendan Schooler, Juwan Johnson, and Micah Pittman, they all played against Cal. They're expected to play this week. Their snap counts, they were on, they were on limited snap counts, uh, against California. Colorado, those numbers should go up if eliminated. Um, Austin Folio played against California and was fine. So, you know, that's another guy that you're, that you're watching. Uh, Darian Felix, maybe, maybe that's the one, but I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't played a lot this year anyways, so, you know, maybe, maybe he's back though. I mean, Cristobal did say he had some minor injuries he was dealing with and, uh, he should be good to go this week. Maybe, maybe we see more of Darian Felix. I don't know, but there's not a lot of injuries that Oregon's going to be able to fall on to say that this offense isn't clicking and, or, you know, the defense gave up big plays because these guys were hurt. Like, they don't have those injuries, not to say that they use injuries as excuses, but right. they don't have those to fall back on to say this is why it's not clicking because we don't have our best players out there. Yeah, and this is, it's, it's nice to get to this point of the season at the midway point and to look up and say there's really not much injury mystery right now. And that's been, I mean, you look through the way the first half of the season has gone basically, 
and almost every week we've been going like, okay, well, how close are these guys getting back? There's always been injuries that are kind of at the focal point. I mean, we go into these press conferences and these immediate availabilities preparing to, to write a story on Oregon's injury report. And right now, there's not a whole lot to report, like you said. I think it's a very positive thing. It speaks to the health of this team overall. Obviously, there's now a handful of guys that are done for the season, and that's never good, but that's part of the game. I think Oregon at least knows kind of where they're at from an injury perspective. And, you know, when you're reaching the stretch run of this season, that's a very positive thing. But like you said, now it's a matter of we're pretty much at full strength. You've got to go show it on the field and produce. And like we've said now on this podcast a couple of times, I, I think it comes down I think one of the big keys to this game is just being able to run the ball effectively, but also to be able to to force the defense to respect the run a little bit. I don't know. I, it just seems like at this point, teams kind of know Oregon isn't going to burst off or bust off a 60-yard run very often. It just hasn't happened. So it's it's kind of keeping that, that defense honest with the fact that I know they haven't done it yet, but here's what we can do. I think Oregon needs to flex its muscle, especially in the run game against Colorado. All right, real quick before we take a break here, keys to the football game. I I, I think for me, I'll go first. I've got two that I wanted to touch on. Um, my first one is trust your quarterback. And I, I, I think even if Herbert or even if Oregon's run game is healthy and Verdell is, is 100% and we Travis Dye is 100%. This is a football game with the injuries that Colorado has, with the lack of talent that Colorado has in the secondary. The fact that Oregon's now almost at full strength at receiver and you have a quarterback. Let Herbert be the gunslinger and let it loose. And trust your best player. Who quite honestly, look, Justin Herbert is going to be the best player probably on the football field every game that the Ducks go out and take on the field the remaining schedule. Like there isn't another team out there that I think has a better player than Justin Herbert uh, on the football field when, when, when they take the field against the ducks. So trust your best player, trust the game's best player to make the plays. And you know what? If, if he doesn't, then look, we've overrated Justin Herbert and we've learned the lesson, but we haven't yet still, I feel like, seen the staff go out and throw the game on Herbert's shoulders and say, win us this football game, and we're going to throw the, the ball a ton. But that, I think trusting Herbert to make the plays and allowing him to have the opportunity is going to be a big key for me. I think – and there's a lot of keys, and I touched a little bit on the run game and the value that, that I think that has a second ago. But for me, on a defensive note, Colorado is second in the Pac-12 and – sacks allowed this season. They've only allowed five all season, which is in five games, a really good number. Um, uh, and I think if you're Oregon and, and you're an off your defense that has really thrived getting after the passer. I mean, they, they've had 19 sacks in five games themselves. And we should mention Colorado ranks 11th nationally in terms of stopping opponents from sacking the quarterback. I think Oregon has to get its pass rush going against the Buffaloes. Cause I think they're going to throw the ball quite a bit. Um, maybe they don't if they get if, if they get a lead early. Maybe they rely on the run game, which so far at least this season hasn't been maybe the biggest strength for this offense. But I'm expecting this is a game where Colorado is going to ask Stephen Montez to to do probably what Oregon should ask Justin Herbert to do, which is go out and try to win a football game through the air. And Oregon's defense 
again, has been tremendous getting after the quarterback. I think they have to do that again this week against the Colorado front, which has been really good at defending, you know, at protecting its quarterback. Uh, I mean, five sacks all season is uh, a, a tremendous start, right? I mean, or, I think Oregon has had five sacks in two different games this season defensively. Colorado's only had that one for, you know, that's their season total. So I think Oregon needs to go out there and get pressure on Montez, make things difficult on him. Um, speaking with Adam yesterday on the, or a couple of days ago on the podcast, it's pretty clear that uh, Montez is somebody who, when he gets when you get pressure on him, sometimes that you can get to him a little bit. I think you have to at least test him a little bit. I think you got to get a lot of pressure after the quarterback if you're Oregon. And lastly, for me, is Oregon's got to be smart, right? Against California, they they, they beat Cal seventeen to seven, and you can argue, hey, a win's a win, but the reality is this. That game should have been a, a wider margin. It sh- Oregon should not have gone into halftime without any points. They should not have been trailing at halftime. You know, they they did not need to come from behind in the second half to win this football game. That's the reality. And I'm not sitting here saying Oregon should have beaten California 45 to seven. Like that's not the case. Like they missed an easy chip shot field goal. Uh, not an easy chip shot field goal, but they they missed like a 40 yard field goal. That 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 has to be converted. They fumbled inside the 20 yard line of California. That ha- that drive has to finish with points. <coughs> Justin Herbert threw an interception inside the California 20 yard line. That drive has to end with points. They had another t- another turnover where Oregon was moving the football and they crossed into California territory and it looked like another scoring drive was coming. That drive has to finish with at least a scoring opportunity. Maybe you you throw the ball into the end zone, and it doesn't get converted, and and you know on a fourth and nine from the 38 or something of that nature, or maybe you miss a field goal attempt. But you didn't even get an opportunity to try and score. You have to have those. And against good teams, you know those nine points that you maybe left off the field. Let's just say the two scoring drives that that ended in turnovers. Uh, are, are field goals and Oregon converts the, the field goal. That nine points, all of a sudden, you have a, a twenty-six to seven victory. And I, I don't. I think that's a good. I think that's a good number against that defense. You scored twenty-six points. Like that's a good number. Uh, and a lot of those drives, scoring opportunities, were prevented because of mental mistakes that Oregon created. They had Johnny Johnson getting called for a personal foul, which the next play led to Herbert throwing an interception. Uh, we had. Um, a block in the back. We had, you know, 12 guys on the football field to extend the drive for California. We had guys not being in position on third and longs and not being able to get off the football field. So I look at the, at these games and against these good teams, you can't make mental mistakes. If they come out and they beat you, they beat you. But if you make mental mistakes, that's where things slow down. That's where games that you should win turn into losses. And so against Colorado, they're good enough. Their offense is good enough. If Oregon makes too many mistakes, they will make Oregon pay. And so for me, it's it's Oregon's got to go out and they've got to play a clean, smart football game. Don't make any mental mistakes. So, all right, Eric Scopo and I are on the Austin Audible's podcast. We'll be right back to wrap up this show. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Odds and Audible's podcast. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me as always. Eric, let's, let's dive into now kind of our bold predictions for this football game. I, I will go first. Um, Steven Montez has two interceptions to his name this season. He's completing 67% of his passes. He's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. I think Oregon is going to get intercept is going to intercept Montez three times in this football game. I think Oregon's defense rises up to the challenge a little bit. They're gonna get scored on, but I think they're also gonna force Colorado's quarterback into three turnovers. It might be it, I mean, I'm gonna change it. it. Three turnovers. He might fumble a couple times, he might throw a couple interceptions, but I think he's gonna turn the ball over three times in this football game. Well, I'm going to have to change one of mine because one of mine was Oregon picks off Montez multiple times. So (laughs) I think that aligns pretty well with what you're saying. So I'll I'll figure something else out here. But I'll start with this. I think Oregon is going to post its highest scoring total against a Power 5 opponent. Maybe that's not that bold of a prediction. But in three games against Power 5 teams, Oregon has scored 21 points is the most they've scored. I think they're going to score more than that on Friday. I guess that's today. Um, I just think that... Colorado defensively is the worst of the Power 5 defense Oregon has faced, and it's probably not all that close. Uh, you look at the stats, they're near the bottom of the Pac-12 in a lot of numbers, including scoring against, where they're allowing opponents to score about 30 points per game. I think Oregon's going to get closer to 30 um, in this game. I think they're going to get to the end zone a little bit more frequently than what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, do I think it's going to be a game where you come away going, here we go, that offense is now rolling, I'm not sure quite – I'm not quite there yet. I'm still a little bit skeptical. I need to see it. But I do think against the Colorado defense, which is dealing with some injuries, that has already had trouble uh, from a talent perspective stopping opposing offenses, I think this Oregon offense is going to come out and do enough offensively, and I think they're going to score more than 21 points. Um, I'll have my final score prediction later, so I'll get to what my exact number there is. But uh, I I think they're going to get more than 21. All right, my next one for me, Justin Herbert's going to throw for more than 400 yards in this football game. 
that feels kind of hot take-ish to me. Um, I still am going to say that, though. I, I, I think with the injuries at, in the secondary for, for Colorado, their, inefic- their inefficiency at that, at that group as well, um, I think, and then, when, and then also taking into account that Oregon's getting more healthy at the receiver position, uh, we've got some kind of an injury, whether he plays or not, he should play with CJ Verdell. I, I'm looking at this game thinking, this is going to be one where Oregon's going to let it let it out a little bit, and they're going to throw the football, and you know we're going to see you know, maybe one of, if not the best passing game from Justin Herbert in his career at Oregon. He has one game where he threw for 400 or more yards in a football game that came against ASU his freshman year with 489 yards, four touchdowns, and a 55 54-35 victory. Um, I, I I think. We're going to see a big game from Justin Herbert. Well, that was number four on my list. Was post, <laughs> we we have not compared lists at all. No, we haven't. I said or, Herbert posted his highest passing yards since his freshman year, and I had in parentheses highest 489, highest since was 365 against Nebraska in 2017. Um, I don't know if we should just repeat these and just say that maybe because maybe these hold more weight because two of us agreed to them, but. Uh, I, I, for a lot of the same reasons, I, I don't know. I think I had Herbert, yeah, probably getting close to 400. More, uh, more than 365 against Nebraska was what I was thinking. Um, I, I had thought about saying a career high, but I don't think he gets close to 500 yards. That's a tough ask. No, I, I don't think it's going to uh, be a career high. Yeah, I mean, 489 is a huge number uh, against Arizona State a couple of years ago. I think for him to get to that number, he'd need to face a defense that's even worse than this and be in a game that's less competitive than this where they're just throwing it at will. But... Um, I guess I'll just stick with that one. I agree. I, I think Herbert's going to have a big passing day. Maybe I'll change it to, uh, you know, I think Oregon's going to score more points in the air. I think he's going to score uh, four passing touchdowns in this game. But I'll, I'll change it to that just because I, I do think Oregon is going to have more success throwing than they've had the last couple of weeks. And I think it's going to be Herbert leading the charge. And I think he's going to find some guys in the end zone. And I think that's going to get you pretty excited just about this offense to a certain extent, at least to the air. I think you're going to see them take a step. Another one for me, uh, Jacob Breland. I, I think he's kind of early on. It was Johnny Johnson, and I still think Johnny Johnson is going to be there. But I, I, I think Jacob Breland though is starting to become kind of the go-to guy for Justin Herbert. I mean, look at the last three games for Oregon. Uh, he has 15 catches. Uh, he has o- almost, I think, 200 yards, over 200 yards receiving. He has four touchdowns in that period. Um, I think we're going to see Jacob Breland have a career day. He's going to have a career day in receptions, and he's going to have a career day in receiving yards. A career reception number would be six, uh, and then uh, the receiving number is 112, which he set earlier this year against Nevada. Um, I think he goes over 112 yards receiving, and I think he has a career high in receptions, which would be six or more. I, I think he hits six at least, but probably goes over that. Finally, one that's not a repeat. I didn't have anything on Jacob Breland on my uh, prediction list, so that's good. Um, I think I think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have another big game. Uh, we talked about it earlier. Colorado is second in the Pac-12 with only five sacks allowed this season. I think Thibodeau is going to have another multi-sack game. I think we're starting to see just that raw talent come out. I, I mean, the way he got off the ball against Cal on those two sacks, and just, I mean, he... 
the play was basically done once the ball was snapped because he was so quick off the line and just had eyes on Monster. I think we're going to see him in the backfield quite a bit. I think we're starting to see all, again, all that talent come together and you're starting to understand a little better of what makes this guy so special. So I think Thibodeau has another multi-sack game. I think he cements himself as that, uh, that, that replacement, if you will, for Gus Cumberlander and has, and the freshman has another really big game. Here we go. Another double dip. Um, I, I'm, go, I, I had KT as well. I had oh, KT oh gosh. With, with multiple, multiple sacks. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I'm just going to stick with it. I'm with you there. I think KT is going to have multiple sacks in this football game. I think Oregon, Oregon might get to that five. You said what? Colorado said five sacks total this season. Right. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Oregon doubles that number to, to, to 10, where if they get, they get five sacks, uh, against Colorado's offense, maybe four, but I think KT is going to come out with, with, with two of them. Yeah. I mean, this Oregon pass rush is averaging over the last four games about four and a half sacks over that period. So it doesn't feel crazy at all to say Oregon's going to have four sacks, even though, again, like we said, this might be the best offensive line Oregon has faced since that Auburn game. Um, this one is, it doesn't feel super bold, but it, it, I think it is given the fact that Oregon's defense has been so tremendous, but I think Colorado's going to find the end zone offensively twice in this game. Um, that would be the most obviously dating back to the opener against Auburn. Um, this is going to be, this would be the first time since Auburn as well that the opponent has scored more than 10 points, which is really remarkable to be five games into the season and only one time you've allowed the opponent to, to get into double figures, especially in today's modern day of, of college football where the offenses are so prolific. And obviously Oregon hasn't played too many of the best ones, but I think Colorado's going to score a couple times. I think Montez is a good enough player where it's not necessarily going to be a reflection of Oregon's defense. It isn't what, what we thought was advertised, but more of a reflection of like sometimes really good players just make really good plays. And, and I think Montez and depending upon who's available for Colorado, there's enough there where they're going to have, they're going to create some problems for Oregon. And sometimes you just tip your cap and go, Hey, you made a great throw and a catch. Uh, kudos to you, and you have to kind of come back and, and respond. And I think that's good, what's going to happen in this game a little bit. I think you're going to see some some really nice plays from those two, you know, from, from Montez, just because he is a senior, he is talented, uh, and he's he's shown time and time again in his career that he's he's kind of up for the moment in the big games. I think he's going to have uh, some big throws. I also said, like I thought earlier, he's going to have some mistakes because I do think Oregon defensively is really talented and is going to force some stuff. But I do think they're going to they're going to have a couple scoring drives. All right, this might be a similar one as well. Um, my last one is I think Oregon scores the most points that they've they've scored outside of the Nevada game tonight. I, I look at this game and think they're going to score somewhere maybe in in the low 40s uh, of this football game. I think they're going to they're going to get in there and they're going to have an offense that moves the ball up and down the field and that's going to result in touchdowns and. You know, it's going to be up to Colorado to kind of keep pace. And maybe that's me just being a little too optimistic with this team and what we've seen the last, you know, four games or so from Oregon. But I think the reality is, is I think eventually things will get figured out, things will break out. And I think tonight is going to be that night where Oregon's offense comes out and they, they get above, they score 45 or more points in this football game. 
That might be the boldest prediction yet. And I have to say, I don't think we can say our predictions are that bold when we've had repeats in like three of the five each. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of speaks to it. Um, I think I kind of, I mean, I guess we had three, we did have three repeats with, we should recap that, I guess, that we think. The Thibodeau re- was a repeat. The Herbert passing yards is a repeat. Montez being turned over three times is a repeat. Kind of a repeat in terms of how many points Oregon scores, but, um, I'm with you on a lot of that. And let's just jump to, to the final score prediction here. I don't have Oregon getting in the 40s like you do. There's where we finally differ on this game. Uh, I think Oregon wins. I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a game where, similar to the script we've seen now in the previous two Pac-12 games, where Oregon is clearly the better team, and they just don't quite have that killer instinct to put this one, I don't want to say on ice, because I don't think it's a game where you are clamoring on your, you know, on your edge of the seat in the final couple minutes of the game. I think Oregon's going to be in position to win, but I do think it's going to be a game where you come out going, we were the better team, but man, we didn't necessarily show it. I think Oregon's going to win. I have them winning 28 to 17. I think, like we said, Herbert throws four touchdowns. Colorado gets a couple touchdowns of their own. Um, it's a competitive game, but one where Oregon is able to do enough to win and improve to five and one on the season and three and zero in Pac-12 play and set itself up for what will be a massive, massive game in Seattle. I know some of uh, the luster from that one has sort of faded just because Washington lost at Stanford last week, but uh, Oregon will be 3-0. and If Washington beats Arizona uh, on Saturday, I think that would make what the Huskies 2-2. Two and two. It's still going to be a really big game in the Pac-12. I'm going to go with a game where I, I think this is going to be the most points allowed since Auburn. Um, I think or, I think Oregon's defense is going to give up a couple touchdowns. It might be late in the game where the game isn't in doubt anymore. I just think um, Oregon's going to give up some points. They're going to win this football, but they're going to score a lot. They're going to score their most since Nevada when they put up 77. They're not going to get into the 50s. I think they're going to they're going to stay in the low 40s, maybe the mid 50s or mid mid 45s ish kind of area. Um, so I, I'm going to go Oregon wins this football game 45 to 28. They have a Colorado covers the spread as a 21 point point spread. So, you know, the, my score is, you know, 17 differential. So Colorado covers, but you know, Oregon's offense looks good. Uh, and for the most part, it's a backdoor cover where you know, Oregon, like you said, is in control throughout and maybe a, a touchdown or two late kind of flips the, the image of the game, but. I think we're going to see an offensive breakout. Uh, I, I think with the short turnaround, I think that helps the the offense more than it helps the defense for both teams. Right. So I think we're going to get a little bit of uh, some scoring action on Friday night. Plus, look, Pac-12 after dark, right? Like some crazy stuff's going to happen. I hope so. I hope it's a I hope it's a really fun football game. Uh, Oregon has been in you know command, and I think you can't argue with losses, but. Uh, there's a certain level of the fan base, and, and I can probably agree with this, where these games have been, I don't want to say boring, I don't think that's appropriate, but have been not quite as exciting as we're used to seeing. And uh, certainly a game where there's, you know, more than three or four touchdowns scored in total w- would be really kind of a fun change of events because you look back and now in the last two Pac-12 games and there's been a combined, I think, three touchdowns scored in both of those games. So a game like you're saying where maybe there are eight or nine touchdowns scored, that, that could be kind of fun just to kind of mix it up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's, I guess, pregame show was what we'll call it. 
with Eric Scopel and I, Matt Prame. Thanks for listening to the Yachts and Audibles podcast, and we'll talk to you on the flip side of this football game. Is it a win? Is it a loss? Are we happy? Are we upset? We'll find out in a couple hours later tonight. So thanks for listening to the Yachts and Audibles podcast. Adios, amigos. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have vision somehow. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus.